Hey, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. This week we discuss what's happening on Wall Street and the relationship with Netflix. What an interesting move that's taking place and the big hits that are happening to the stock prices of Netflix. We think there's a discovery here that the industry is finally catching up to what it means to produce a lot of content and keep subscribers going. But Keith and I also discussed the moves that Apple's taking and Lionsgate um, and their acquisitions. So stay tuned. Beer mug with Vision Craft Brew on it. Wife coming through. Love it. No, I don't brew beers, but you know, you can always yes. use another brew, a brew you're, mug. You're brewing thoughts and newsletters. I'm brewing That's thoughts. What you're brewing That's right. Now. right. <laughs> thoughts and brilliance. That's what I'm it's brewing. It's all brewing up there. Your it's clients all brewing you. and I'm crafting. And, yeah. Give me some yeah. of that crafty brew stuff that you do up there. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I loved your newsletter. The whole idea of the, um, you know, the marketing industry living inside the bubble as well. Yep. There's definitely mm-hmm. something. You know what's Here's the thought I was having as I was uh, reading it. I think a lot of people don't quite understand the need for marketing to get a film out in front of people mm-hmm. in order for them to consume it and like it. Yep. Too many uh, filmmakers, TV show creators, whatever the stuff is, says, oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a really great piece of content, which is an awesome, awesome way to start, right? Mm-hmm. Then they take all their money and they put it on screen. And then they're hoping because it's good, everyone's just going to love it, but no one's going to see it unless you actually invest some time into the, the marketing pieces. And to get a sense of what it takes to get real viewers to watch real content, you have to know how to appeal to them. And from from where we've been in the industry and the work we've done, we know the magic of what a a trailer editor does, taking a story and make it appealing and doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. Or the work of marketing, even just even PR and, and some of the outreach PR does of making this movie, this piece of content relevant to the viewer. Yeah. So that bubble, if you live too much in that bubble, you're actually not going to ever hit the real market. You're not going to see you know, you know, real people in your... In yeah. Your- I, I mean, I, I think what I, w- what I was really trying to get at is this idea um, that we often talk about that these, the content sort of marketers, if you will, mostly live in New York and LA and they live behind gates and work behind gates to use Thomas Gase's famous phrase. And sort of the genesis of this was a, a piece by um, his name's Yar uh, Yar, sorry, excuse me, uh, Rosenberg, who writes for The Atlantic, and he was really writing about critics and how they live in bubbles, and that's where you often see disconnects where one movie critics hate, but the you know the audience loves, and it ends up making a lot of money, and th- there's always been that disconnect. So he was trying to get into that, like, okay, we need to get out of our bubbles, and I was like, you know, this is really interesting, something that could be tackled if you look at marketers. And it really is that aspect of just getting out of sort of your day-to-day and what you do on a daily basis and try to understand your audience a little bit more. And, you know, there are research departments that are supposed to do that. But unless you intrinsically break sort of out of what you feel um, and what you experience on a day-to-day basis, you're never really going to understand the audience that you're trying to get after. That's why I always mm-hmm. thought it was hilarious that we screened all these movies in Sherman Oaks and Thousand Oaks. And Thousand Oaks was considered outside, you know, the LA bubble as if nobody in Thousand Oaks knows anything about the industry. Um, <laughs> can I get there's the limit? Of, or their kids don't go to school with with some directors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I get there's the limit in terms of traveling and, you know, it's expensive. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. And 
The example I used was the, uh, a recent Apple TV ad with John Hamm. It's a great ad, but it's very much a niche ad and aiming at an audience that's just already watching Apple TV+. Plus. Like they already know who John Hamm is. They spent years watching Mad Men. They're all trying to live the life of Mad Men, right? And as you see John Hamm in a beautiful house in the Hollywood Hills, trying to call Tom Hanks on his iPhone, watching it on a 75 foot screen, nobody can relate to that. It's like you have to try to relate, you know, create content, particularly if you're trying to reach an audience that they can somewhat relate to. I mean, there's a reason why, and when you're working on a trailer, you spend so much time trying to find relatable events that people are going to find funny because you want them to relate to the characters so they have an interest in driving to the movie. You know, it's interesting. Apple has such a different approach to what their product is. And it's, mm -hmm. it is some, sometimes confusing of what they're trying to accomplish, right? So yeah. the way marketing feels is we're really huge and we have the coolest people on the planet. Look, we have Oprah and Reese Witherspoon and Spielberg and, you know, like, and Tom Hanks. So they have this like buddy system mechanism, almost like what you feel is Tim Cook's friends with all these. Tim Cook's is right. as famous as all these folks. Or yeah. he met them at the Golden Globes a couple of years ago and then he would just want to make fun <laughs> stuff with them. Right. Um, but the product itself, like it's not at scale. They're not in acquisition. They're not really pushing uh, the creation of co continuous content like other OTT platforms. And that's why we've questioned in the past, like what is, are they in this game or not? So you're right. The idea of their marketing in this piece is what, you know, what did they, what are, what are their expectations in this outreach? Are they still just trying to stay cool? You know, mm -hmm. like the ideas of like, yeah, but we can get Bono straight to your iPod. This is almost <laughs> like, yeah, we get Tom Hanks straight to your television sent. Um, right. And at, that is an outreach opposed to what other OTT platforms do, which is almost to the other extreme, make a whole bunch of content. It's not really great or acquire a bunch of stuff that you'll never really see, but have tons and tons and tons of small little pockets. Yeah. Um, and then what you and I are mostly uh, drilled down here is, uh, either side is missing this pop culture relevance of what media is uh, capable of doing and how real, really um, distribution gets its legs of, you know, it really takes pop culture, it takes other per people's voices um, and uh, to keep it going. So what's your thought? It's the marketing's job the first week and it's the film's job. Yeah, the theory is it's marketing's job to get buttons in the seats the, the first weekend and then after that it's the film's job then it's just the film. And, you know, marketing can do sort of a, a post-open campaign to keep it on the top of mind, tell people, you know, give the FOMO feel like, hey, this is number one movie in the world. You sure you want to miss out on it? You know, look how, look at all these critics and how they love it. And it's when, you know, you get to see the spots with all the, the mastheads of all the major newspapers that love the movie. And then they got quotes that are pulled. I don't necessarily know if that necessarily works as well as it used to, but it's still the idea of like pushing forward from uh, from the opening, but yes, it's the job of marketing to get butts in the seats, and it and especially as you pointed out with the countless amount of content and movies and TV shows out there, you've got to be really smart about how you're targeting your audience, and again, getting to know them from a place that you wouldn't necessarily understand. Another example I give in the newsletter is a New York Times um, opinion piece that they did, I think it was last week, where they did a, uh, a group, uh, a focus group with uh, some independent voters. And you would be surprised when you read it, 
what these voters are actually concerned about. If you spend all your time on political Twitter or the LA or New York Times, you know, the main pages, you this you would think that the, all these other issues like COVID and all this other stuff are their big, you know, their big focuses, but it's like inflation. The economy isn't going so great. Or if you read the Wall, you know, the you know, the front page of the Wall Street Journal today, economy's fine. It's like there's a disconnect there and I think as a marketers, we have to be able to understand our audience. And it doesn't have to yeah. be anything complicated. It's just simply getting out of your bubble and not just going from LA to Hawaii to the Four Seasons in Hawaii. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, it, <laughs> it, it's it's a little bit more more involved than that. Wait, no, no, it's Cabo. It, Cabo's getting out of your bubble, Keith. That's a different country. Of course, that's a that's not a Hollywood bubble. Yeah, right. So it uh, it's the same thing. Oh, I'm going to go up to Malibu and you know uh, go surfing. No. No, I'm going to go to Santa Barbara and have some wine. No, no, no. I'm going to go to Wyoming. I'll go. Yeah, yeah. Not the same. Thing. Jackson Hole not. is not getting out of your bubble. It's a different right, state. It's right. still the same bubble. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'll just say that. Are we seeing the results of this now with even Netflix prices or Netflix stocks dropping? I mean, holy mm-hmm. crud. I know yeah. I've been right over the last couple of years in saying they make bad content. It's about time Wall Street's been listening to me. But the price drop for Netflix is crazy. Um, and yeah. I think that we're all, what we're he- hearing really is, 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 you know, did it catch up to them, as I'm joking about? Or is it resetting something? Um, you know, what's the market responding to with that kind of price drop? I think a large part of it is... I mean, at least the way I'm kind of seeing it is the miss wasn't that huge. It was like a, I think they estimated, I can't remember the number, but it was, it wasn't a huge miss to the point yeah. where Reed and Ted, Reed Hastings and Ted Serendos were like, yeah, this isn't a big deal. But for whatever reason, the market went, Pfft. and I think the reason that is, is because they've sort of reached peak saturation in the U.S. market, I think, because you think of all these big shows they've had, Squid Game, Witcher, um, Red Notice, uh, Don't Look Up. And we get these constant press releases from Netflix. Largest movie in Netflix history. Yet they're not bringing more people in. Like that's sort of, I think, the that maybe the Wall Street, you know, the investors are starting to wake up to the fact that they spend all this money on all this content. These movies all released. And yet they're not goosing the numbers. So people don't feel the need to either sign up if they're not already signed up or they're just signed up and that's just how it's going to be. And Netflix yeah. has been spending money like a drunken sailor. Now, granted, they've pulled it back a little bit over the course of the last few years. But I think that aspect of it, as well as the fact that the competition is heating up, HBO Max is starting to get some churn with some of the, you know, gets get their numbers up. Um, you know, you've got Disney Plus that's still somewhat of a threat, although they're starting to run into the same problem where they got to figure out how they're going to produce content that actually brings in new subscribers. Um, so I think it's a, it, it's this idea that no one has, it, I think Netflix has always been the king and now it's, oh, well, maybe everything isn't right in, in, in Netflix land. So I think it's a little bit of that. Well, they're, they clearly, they've, they've been producing on very low, if if not negative margins for, for yeah. a decade now knowing that the future will basically make up for what all the fault is today. And the scale, mm-hmm. the thought of a scale. So I remember reading a quote about Squid Game that, you know, the viewership uh, increase of Squid Game 
brings brought in like equivalent of nine hundred million dollars in in a one year basis on the subscribers that they that they've gained. So like that's clearly a billion dollar return on an acquisition of a of a small piece of content or or not very expensive piece of content for them. That's an incredible margin that they can see. But for the most part, we can all see it like the fatigue of how much how much they have out there and the amount of mm-hmm. content you can consume. Eventually, that's going to catch up to them, and the numbers are going to reset. Um, I, I think what you're talking about is interesting. Is the saturation point isn't only in, you know, how how it's hit almost every household in the U.S. And clearly, their job is to just have you not unsubscribe. That's like their biggest mm-hmm. goal that they have is like, can you please yeah. just keep paying us? Don't don't let us go because that's where our, our money comes from. But the market has to recognize eventually like, yeah, but we kind of want to see margins on these items. My concern, as you would guess, if they started making films even cheaper than what they're making right now, man, that's going to be garbage. Yeah. Come on. Like you won't even get actors, the, the no name actors on the on the screen if they had to cut back budgets. So we know that as a business, uh, the creative is going to suffer if you put business first. But as always, therefore, there's an opportunity for the creative to step up and do something, right? To discover something new and create create something new. Yeah, and and Matt Bologna on his um, newsletter this week, he made a uh, yesterday actually made a really good point that he, well, he made the point on Sunday, but then he followed up with another one this yesterday, which was also sort of very apt in the whole Netflix conversation. And you know, the one point he made on Sunday is that he thinks that they have more of a market problem versus a business problem. And, he, and that goes to your point of, you know, the content suffering. At a certain point, you know, the expectation that the movies are going to be great. And yes, now talent is more than willing to run to Netflix. But is that going to eventually break? I don't know. You know, Steven Spielberg has called, you know, what Netflix makes TV movies. And he's not wrong. And I've often made the case on this podcast what is a movie? Like we haven't had that conversation since this all started. What is a movie now? Is it just what we say is a movie? And no one yeah. is defending that aspect of it. And the other piece that he and mentioned today, which I thought was very yesterday was very interesting, was he talked a lot about employees at Netflix. Um, you know, Netflix has been known for the last four or five years to poach people from the studios, poach talent, executive talent, uh, pay them lavishly uh, to the point where everyone's just falling over themselves. But the problem is they're now reaching the point where there's a lot of churn. People are quitting because it's it's a very cutthroat culture at Netflix. You get paid well, but you're expected to work like crazy. And he also talked a little bit about how some in in some aspects Netflix pays with stock options. So if and there's a very complicated way it works, but if you come in when the stock is making so much, you have to wait till it increases 40% before you can vest out and take the cash. And now it's like, it's, you know, think of someone who started in November of 2020. It started yeah. at 700. Now it's down to almost 50%. You got to wait till it gets back up to 700. Is it going to get there? I don't know. And that's the thing. Like, again, it's, it's this whole idea of live by the street, die by the street. And if people are going to start looking at the margins and, you know, the salaries they make, then it's going to also, there's going to be a pressure in terms of how they're going to snag the best talent. Um, because the idea was that they pay so well, they're always going to get the best. But now that's sort of starting to shake a little bit, given everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, I, I, 
I, I remember seeing this trend in the early 2000s, late 90s, two or three 2000s, where the big companies, the tech companies start to stumble. The next thing they do is to go after acquisitions. Hmm. Because they realized, well, we're still sitting on a bunch of cash. We had a, we have a certain um, market value, and if we start consuming up our competitors, we can kind of secure our market share um, through other you know through other channels. What's interesting here is that you know they uh, in Netflix's case, they're the behemoth. Their acquisition of other channels, I'm not. I really have a thought of like it really creates more just more burden for them. Right. You know, so just hypothetically, if they did go and acquire, um, I don't know, Voodoo or one of these smaller um, uh, distribution channels, they wouldn't take them off network because because someone's paying Netflix. And if they watch Voodoo, I don't know, you don't want to watch this Voodoo. So maybe this is a <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. But if you're paying two subscribers, you're going to basically say, now I have to pay one subs- subscription to Netflix. And yeah. you don't necessarily capture that secondary revenue. You know, why would you? You basically just mm-hmm. got acquired um, by that business. So they have to want, you know, they have to want to uh, get in front of the competition and keep the subscriber brace going, at least sustainable. But the uh, but the ROI side of it that the, um, Wall Street's looking for in potential growth, there has to be some kind of breakthrough or acquisition, you know, Reed Hastings has to get into a rocket ship and go into space or whatever other billionaires <laughs> do to, to prove that they're worthwhile to, right. to uh, Wall Street or whatever. But something has to change over there. And I, I'm again, like I think in a creative industry, one of the opportunities you have from a creative person is is to think about it and conceive of something that does create growth in a new, a new way. Like how do studios really function and what you, can you contribute to a studio set when you're thinking about making your film making your TV show or having a creative career, there are the opportunity to be part of a studio set. And there, and therefore there's always like, you know, funding for that type of project, especially in moments like this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. You know, I, I, there's kind of, you can see in an economy that's changing, inflation coming in, where, you know, secondary type expenses in your life you can imagine i still need gas and gas prices are going up so i'm cut cut away from something um and i haven't done read any research or studies to see if the current inflation rates are affecting some of these uh subscription-based uh products right. but i would have guessed that playing itself into it as well yeah i think so and you know netflix because i'm a netflix subscriber has been bombarding me with emails that my price is going to go up about I think two weeks or so or something like that, and they're just saying like we just want to we just want to keep delivering great content. We just want to keep sending you, getting you all that stuff, and it's like it's gonna start to there's gonna start to be a squeeze, and at a certain point, you know, one's gonna have to wonder what the churn is gonna look like with all the other the competition that's out there right now. You know, you've got all these other OTT platforms all swearing up and down they're gonna spend on godly amounts of content. Um, you know, I think Wall Street and the investors are just starting to say like, okay, we need to start seeing real world like numbers here, like not just hours viewed, like what does this mean in terms of how you're going to grow your audience and you can't just throw content at us. Like what, what exactly is involved here? And I think you're seeing that if you look at, for example, at the forthcoming merger of Discovery and Warner Media, their, their stocks have basically been you know, like at a standstill since this mm-hmm. all came down. 
since they announced this big, oh, AT&T, we're, we're done with, we're done playing that game. Discovery's going to come in. David Zaslav's like, I'm going to save Warner Brothers. And the street's like, meh, I don't know. Yeah. Is this going to work? And he's like, I'm going to spend this much money. And they're like, eh. So I don't really know if this is necessarily a, a sense of like, okay, we need to see like what this is going to look like in a long-term play. You're all saying you're going to spend all this money. That's great. But how are you going to convince all these people to see it and pay the money consistently yeah. every month and not keep dropping off and reducing churn to the point where it, you know, it, you, I think ultimately they've got to start seeing them making money. They've sort of been ignoring the sort of revenue side and revenue and profit side of it and been like, look at all these subscribers. Look how many subscribers we have. And then it's like, well, okay, well, what does that mean for you're spending all this money on content? When are you going to start making money? Because they've all sort of ignored the whole idea that this starting an OTT platform is a complete loss leader. And Dis companies like Disney have been upfront about the fact that they're not going to make a ton of money for at least a few years. But I think since Netflix has been in the game so long, they're like, okay, you're starting to miss your targets. Because they've missed targets before. Yeah. And their stocks has never hit taken a hit like this. So it, there's something happening. I mean, I think there's a myriad of factors, but that may, that may be one of them. The, yeah, the... Uh, you know, I, I always, I never really know if Walsh knows how to speculate anyway. Sometimes I always just feel like there's mass hysteria and mass thinking. So there might not be <laughs> yes. a lot of strategy behind it, but um, we definitely have seen and been calling out for the for the last year or so just that there's an unsustainability of what's happening there. Let, yeah. let me pivot to just like a small thing. Like what what's your thought on this Lionsgate STX thing? It's it's kind of small. It's off a lot of people's radar. It's not besides like industry buzz. Um, but what's it's? I know Lionsgate always kind of plays like a different game. I I remember, I mean, it might have been a decade ago. I'd get calls from investors. I was part of a, a council of of I don't know what it'd be council of insiders, and I basically had my name in there for people who had questions about the that were investing in the entertainment industry. They can call me, and I can walk them through some analysis. And uh, mm -hmm. there was a there was a big buzz about uh, Lionsgate during that time period. And I was on so many phone calls talking about what Lionsgate does, what their distribution strategy is, why they why they're successful. So I always feel like they're part of like a private equity intelligence <laughs> when they do something, and it always makes me yeah. curious of what's happening. With this deal, like, what's the value of ST, STX? And I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, STX Entertainment was started by Bob Simons about oh, seven, eight, nine years ago, um, and it was touted as this new, you know, this new studio that was going to bring in foreign capital, and um, they were going to release five to ten movies. And he brought in uh, Adam Fogelson, the former head of Universal Pictures, and you know, brought in some other execs from other studios, and it was like this. Big to do, uh, and they had a hit, a uh, couple hits. Bad Bombs being one of them. I think it was in 2016. Uh, but it's been a little uneven, and they had a disastrous merger with Eros, which they just recently had to spin off. And uh, venture capital firm bought them out with the the sense that here's some cash, but we're going to eventually sell you. So it could be that Lionsgate is swooping in, just sort of like, okay, this is just we just have this library of movies that we have. It increases our value because now we have more movies to add to our library. I'm not entirely sure if there's any executive talent they're potentially looking at. That's always sort of a conversation when it comes to these mergers. But I'm not quite sure what exactly yeah. they're going for here, um, other than sort of beefing up the library. 
um, you know, again, executive talent. But other than that, I, there's they don't really have any major franchises that are sort of like screaming for, uh, uh, you know, another home. Again, I just think this is just Lionsgate being like, okay, we'll just increase the value of our library a little bit. Because everyone's always talking about Lionsgate being the next target for acquisition, be it from mm-hmm. Apple, Amazon, what have you. Um, although they they're they're a very lean and mean operation, and you know as we've you know we will have Tim Heindel on, who's their SVP of research in a couple of weeks, and and as he's told us, they are very sort of forward thinking and how they operate in a lot of their op, you know uh, operations, particularly with marketing by decoupling research from the marketing branch and it's its own separate entity which <laughs> no other studio is doing that i can tell you that so yeah and there's 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 interesting things happening i i i don't really know what the reasoning is behind it it you know again hollywood's very clubby so it could be that you know well i to me like there's just some i'm always intrigued by when i watch the smaller studios and the moves that they make because mm-hmm. there's some legitimate business happening in in those propositions. And we all, we often just focus on these big, gigantic you know, machines, Disney and, right. you know, Apple and Netflix and whatever. But Hollywood has a lot of players doing a lot of different, uh, and creating a lot of different opportunities. And it's not, you know, the, the a smaller studio might not move as fast or not might not push out as much product as a larger studio, but mm-hmm. there are still executives making decisions and those plays, you can almost read the strategy easier. You, you don't feel like they're just running an influence game of we say it, therefore it goes. Um, they're actually figuring out what it takes, the mechanisms it takes to to build Hollywood. Yep. And I kind of I respect Lionsgate, and you know the they've always been one of those players that are out there doing something very interesting. So when I hear something, I see something. But I would just I guess I'm not as familiar with the, what the STX acquisition would necessarily bring them. I agree, it might just be a library. Uh, game for them, but might be a library play. And again, you know, Bob Simons is the guy who started it, knows everybody in Hollywood, so it could play into that some yeah. some part of it. Or there's a back sort of you buy this, we'll invest in you in the future. Who knows? But if I if I'm making a show right now, there's something to look at there. Like there might be a new market with this acquisition because you know, when, after the acquisition takes place, or the, if you can just if you can discern why the acquisition is taking place you know the next thing they're going to be doing. Right. And you can look at that, prep yourself for it, develop for that opportunity and have conversations about that. So Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just keep my eyes on that. I think changing markets are changing markets. Yep, agreed. All right, well, hey, mister, I'm I'm out of town next week, as you know. Yes. So I, I'm going to leave you hanging I'm riding a solo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you're going to miss out because we, uh, we we were very lucky. We have Dallas Sonier uh, Darnie Nuss, who is, I probably just butchered his last name, but uh, who is the producer of um, Run, Hide, Fight and the upcoming Shut In, a uh, new DJ Caruso flick. So we'll have him on next week. So it'll just be him and I. Um, so please tune in. I'm sure you're going to love that. Tim, you're going to miss out. I hope you enjoy your time away. And be ready to rock when I'll enjoy the uh, following week when <laughs> Tim Heindel rejoins us again, which is always a good time. So. That's what we have coming up. I'm coming back for Tim because we get major hits when Tim's on. So I gotta get, keep the uh, gotta keep my uh, influence marketing happening by get, by being on the same show as Tim Heidel. I don't want to be there. You go. Yeah. Missing out See? all those all those hits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
I can possibly get like one or two new followers if that happens. Yeah, maybe. I'm excited about that one. (laughs) Maybe. If you're lucky. (laughs) Well, you have a good week. Enjoy, Dallas. I'm sorry. Dallas, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry I'm going to miss you. But we'll catch you on the other side of the successful rollout and hear what you did. Yes. Hopefully this will be the first of many visits for Dallas. So, Yeah. And keep keep it it coming through. Uh, Well, that's great. Yeah, thank you uh, for letting me take the time off. Um, if you uh, like what you're hearing here, we do. We would love you for you to subscribe to this channel and tell your friends about it. Um, our audience is growing, and we love the feedback that we get as well. So leave your comments. Um, our team at our uh, behind the scenes they create the content for us and they build things um, for us constantly, um, and they're also just watching the, the comments and feeds. So uh, we are part of that that economy, and we'd love to uh, be. Uh, reaching or doing that reach out with you as well. Um, Lydia, thanks for all you're doing to keep this mach- this machine going forward. And Connor, the work that you're doing to uh, uh, keep the research happening and, the, and all the rest of the ma- machines moving forward. Until next week or two weeks for me, but next week for you, uh, we'll see you in Hollywood Breaks. Thank you.